Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Good. Well, Dean is one of our six elders at the church and is going to present the word to this today. Thank you, Dean. Reading from Luke chapter 24, Rob gave me these verses, and the first thing I looked at, it says, but. Well, what's that for? I mean, you don't meet somebody this morning and say, but good morning. You, you, there's context, there's contrast or something. So uh, Rob didn't give me these two verses, but I'm going to read them. <laughs> um, it says, and his body was taken away, and the women of Galilee followed and saw the tomb where the body was placed. When they went home and prepared spices and ointment, to anoint his body. But at the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested and required some law, some as required by the law. Then, but, very early in the morning, Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone that had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed down with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is arisen from the dead. Remember, Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and crucified, that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanne, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who who had told the apostles what had happened. And now, women, nothing's changed in the last 2,000 years. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Good. Thank you, Dean. You can hold on to that. Well, let's pray. Lord, I am thankful for these scriptures that have been passed down from century after century after century, giving hope to every generation. And I thank you, Lord, that even in August we can celebrate Easter, that you are alive. Lord, help us see you more clearly, each and every one that is here. Lord, answer the cry of their heart to see you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was about 12 years old, I had eyesight problems. So I didn't know I needed glasses. Um, I played baseball in fifth and sixth grade, and I was a terrible hitter, really bad. Every once in a while, I'd be late on my swing, and I'd hit it down uh, the baseline, but it's because I couldn't see the ball, (laughs) and a huge strike zone as a tall guy. Didn't help either. Um, I remember I was walking through the grocery store with my mom, and just, she was, this was a joke, she was saying, Okay, down the bread aisle and such, how many signs can you see? And I said, none of them. 
and she laughed at my joke. And, no, I was serious. I couldn't see any of them. He goes, oh my goodness, we need to get you to the doctor, the eye doctor. So we went to the eye doctor. I got glasses, and I remember on the drive home, I said, Mom, I can see each and every leaf on the trees. They're shimmering and shining, and they're beautiful. They're awesome. She goes, what did you think they were made of? I'm like, I don't know. As a kid, when you draw a tree, you do the little bubble around a tree trunk, you know? That's what it looked like to me. I had eyesight, and it was beautiful. And in the same way, we have spiritual eyes, don't we? And often we don't see very clearly, and yet we have no idea until God gives a sight and we can see him. Isn't that beautiful when we can see the redemptive thread of Jesus in our lives? And so as we start, I'm going to ask each and every one of you to lift a hand if you want to see Jesus a little more clearly today. And don't lift it to me. Don't lift it to each other. Lift it up to God. And in your heart, say, God, I want to see you a little more clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. And last week, we looked at the gospel of Jesus on the cross as if it was a beautiful diamond, all sorts of facets of beauty to look at it. And I hope that today we can look and see Jesus more beautifully. So let's go to our first group of people here. We're going to look at three groups today, and they're all on the same journey. And so when Scripture gives three examples following the same pattern, it makes a pretty clear point. And so the first one is the women as they arrive to the tomb. And their eyesight goes from terror to there's a twinkle in their eye at the end of all of this. And so let's look at this first verse. It says that they go to the tomb and it's empty. And then two angels appear to them. It says when they stood there, they were puzzled. And two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes, and the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. That word dazzling, it's very similar to the word uses flash of lightning in the scripture. And so imagine seeing men flashing like lightning in front of you. They're terrified, okay? They were puzzled. And yet, there's, there's a... There's something that's twinkling in front of them. There's something different than their puzzlement and their terror. There's going to be some good news here. They're going to find a treasure this Sunday morning. And I researched, there's a, there's a story where someone went to a state park in Arkansas back in 2015. And they're walking through one of the caves of this state park and they saw a shiny rock. Okay, It was dazzling. And so, instead of just walking by it, as many other people did, they decided to pick it up. That decision was worth a million dollars. It was an eight and a half carat diamond just sitting on the side of this boardwalk in a cave. It's called, they decided, she got to name it, she decided to name it Hope in Spanish. It's called the Esperanza Diamond. 
she saw it glimmer, just as we do as Christians, the hope of a risen Jesus. Let's go to this next verse. So they have blurry vision here. They don't know what's happening. They're puzzled. They're terrified. And yet there's something dazzling on the side. They're, they're in, the, in the tomb, it's dark, and yet there's this sparkle. <laughs> and it overwhelms them. And these men say, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He's not here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you. In all three of these stories, when these groups of people have their eyes opened, it's a result of a, a supernatural miracle. We can't restore our eyesight on, their own, on our own. It takes the work of God. And God uses His Word to help open the eyes of our heart. And so here, the angels say, remember God's Word. And they do. Those seeds that had fallen now took root and grew in their hearts and opened their eyes. That's why every sermon we're going to try and put these verses up on the screen. So that regardless of what I'm saying up here, those seeds are going to be as clear as possible to you. Because that is what will change your life. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is alive. It says it's living and active. And it says that it cuts through the heart, discerning the intentions and thoughts. As we go along, we'll see how each of these groups have this encounter with God's word and a spiritual opening of their eyesight to their hearts to see clearly again. And yet all of these people start with blurry vision. They start with hopelessness and terror and sadness. So let's go to this next verse. So they see it. They remember. God, their, their hearts are open. And then they have a response, which is the same for all three of these groups of people. They rush out and they tell others. Don't you think that woman from the state park was a little excited when she got home? And her husband said, so how's your, how's your visit to the state park, right? It's like, it was awesome. <laughs> Look at Look at what I found. You want to see it too? One of the largest diamonds in history is in my hand. The gospel is the largest diamond in history, and it can be in your hand. Jesus is alive this morning. Do you believe that? I mean, what changed between this chapter and today? He didn't go back into the tomb and roll the stone shut. Jesus is alive. That's why I asked you, lift your hand. Say, Jesus, 
If you're there, be more clear to me today. Don't you think that's praying God's will? Don't you think God wants that? And yet, John chapter 3, the famous passage of John 3.16, that he loved the world and gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That passage, a few verses later, says, in summary, it says that light has come in to the world, but men loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. The gospel is a light that has come into the world. The greatest jewel that's ever existed. And yet often our eyes don't adjust. We're like coming from the eye doctor, right? And we can't take in the brightness around us. And so we decide to hide. But as you look into God's word and you let your eyes adjust to what is actually reality. As time goes on, your heart is going to see. Look at also the response here. Who are the first skeptics of the resurrection? It was the disciples themselves. You think they would have been the first to believe, and yet they don't. They consider it nonsense. The Greek word was idle talk. They needed to get down to business. Let's stick with facts. Let's stick with my reality. And yet their reality was wrong. All right, let's go to this next group. This is awesome. So, remember, this is the weekend of Passover. It's like Christmas in Jerusalem, okay? It's packed. And it's like the day after Christmas, the JFK airport, it's packed. People are going home. And so two of these disciples, followers of Jesus, are going home. Their home is in Emmaus. And they're walking along the street, and they're filled with sadness. But it will turn to a sparkle in their eyes. And so let's go to this first verse. It says that Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. For the first time, let me introduce to you the risen Jesus. He's right there. I mean, the readers of this gospel say, there he is. There he is. What are you doing? They're walking right by him. They haven't had that change of heart yet. And Jesus asked them, so what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? The grief stops them in their tracks with sadness written across their faces. They've got those sunglasses on from the eye doctor. They don't see the light. They're sticking with what they're accustomed to. So many of our lives are filled with feeling like this. Sadness that stops you in your tracks. It's like, it's like me. I don't even see the baseball. I don't even see the bread aisle. <laughs> All right. 
These folks don't even see Jesus, and he's right there. And there's some of you out there who right even today are thinking to yourself, I don't see him, pastor. I don't see Jesus. All I see is a messed up world, and it's hitting me, and it's hard. That's you keep listening, watching the journey of these people. So let's go to the next one. It's blurry, and then it says their disappointment here. They say, we had hoped. It means they're no longer hoping anymore. We had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This happened three days ago. Then some women from a group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. So they don't have hope. I've wondered, I mean, we see all sorts of emotions in this passage, except I thought to myself, where's the anger? You're right. Maybe there's some anger with this. Jesus didn't follow through. He said he was king and then he died. What's up with that? He was supposed to deliver us from this. And even the testimony they hear from the women, see all these stories, they stack as the chapter goes on and some incredible momentum. And yet they're saying this amazing report, the word amazing is a Greek word that says it, it sets us off to a different spot, to a different location. We thought we knew what was going on, that Jesus died, and now, now these women are sharing some different report. Now we don't even know what to think. Let's continue on. So their blurry vision, all of a sudden, they see something brilliant. It says, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets for these seven miles, explaining from all the scriptures concerning himself. For this, he tells them, you foolish people, you're so hard to believe the truth. And he shows them from Genesis on how it all points to him. This fall, our kingdom kids, they're starting Genesis on, looking at how it points to him. All of scripture points to Jesus. I wish I could have sat in that systematic theology class. (laughs) being taught by Jesus himself. Oh, what a privilege it will be to see the scriptures in eternity, fully revealed. And then let's look here, continuing on. It says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. And that moment he disappeared and they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained to us the scriptures? See how Jesus used the scriptures to burn a fire in their soul? That's the preaching that I pray for. <laughs> that we can look in the scriptures and it's words on fire. Not because of eloquent speech or lofty wisdom, but because 
the cross is the power of salvation to us who believe. And may those words burn like a fire. If I speak in a monotone voice, I'm sick with a cold. May God's words burn like a fire in your soul. May it wake up that heart, make it alive again as it was meant to be. May it be beautiful. May you see what God promises in the fruit of the Spirit. May your heart come alive with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. May your life gain purpose and beauty and hope. That's the fire of the Scripture. The Holy Spirit uses it in your heart to make you alive. Continuing on. So that what's their response? They witnessed something beautiful, and so they go and give a testimony. They testify as a witness takes the stand saying, I saw something beautiful. And so they run back to Jerusalem, and they tell the disciples, imagine these guys. First the women come and say, Jesus is alive. Now these guys come running back saying, Jesus is alive. And at the end it says, the Lord has really risen. Earlier with this group, when they talk about Jesus, they say, this Jesus of Nazareth, as if they don't even know him anymore. All we know is he was born in this town. And yet here, they give his title, the Lord Jesus. And that is, as this gospel turns into the book of Acts, 18 times in Acts, the phrase is used in the Lord Jesus, because when he's alive and he reigns, He's king, and he is Lord. He's not some historical guy in Nazareth. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords for all eternity. So these disciples, what's going on in their hearts? Are they figuring this out yet? They're seeing God's word. They're hearing these testimonies of others coming, saying, I found the crown jewel. It's right there. And so as we turn the corner to these disciples, they're doubting. And yet it ends with delight. And so in this first passage, these men, while they're still speaking and telling, it says, just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you are his first words. That's what Jesus has brought to bring peace to the people of God. The theme throughout all of Luke, even at his announcement in the first chapter, peace on earth, goodwill to men. The reign of God will bring peace. A joyous peace. And yet it's blurry for the disciples. This next verse says, The whole crew, group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asks. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? There's a lot of people in this world that are frightened 
startled, filled with doubt. And Jesus is crying out through his church, peace be with you. If only God opens their eyes. If we were to pray and say, God, open the eyes of my neighbor and my friend and my daughter and my grandson. Open their eyes so that they can have peace. That is praying the will of God. God answers the prayers of his will. And sometimes it's not just the next day. Man, those prayers follow a kid's life for years. Chase people with your prayers so that even when we're gone and with him, those prayers are still following people. Knocking on the door, saying, open your eyes to Jesus. There's one person here in John chapter 20. His name's Thomas. He's one of the disciples. He's called Doubting Thomas because he doesn't believe. He says, I would need to see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side where he was pierced with a spear. I'd need to touch him before I believed. You know what? Jesus was up for that challenge. He shows up and says, Thomas, look at my hands. Take them in your hands. Feel my side where my blood was spilt for you, Thomas. Whoa. It's okay to pray a prayer like that, I think, sometimes. Say, Jesus, if you're real, let me touch you. I think he'll show up. I remember during one of the darkest moments of my life, I had a brain injury and I wasn't getting better. And I was sitting in a church pew and I said, God, can you just give me a hug? Like, Jesus, where are you? And as I was sitting in a pew, a grandmother in the church that standing up came up to my shoulder while I was sitting down, came next to me at the pew and put an arm around me and gave me a hug. And I felt in my spirit, God saying, does that count? Am I allowed to use other people to love you? Am I allowed to use my church to love you? Maybe it's limited to think, God, can I just hug you every once in a while? Maybe he's always with me, right? Isn't that more beautiful and more wonderful than the occasional trip to see a loved relative? And then after service, this little four-year-old toddled up and gave me a hug right at the side of my knee. And I thought to myself, doesn't that count? Her mom said, where are you going and do you even know him? <laughs> but she felt prompted. I believe the Holy Spirit used her. Because where you see love, God is love. I believe God prompted her to give the tall guy a hug at the kneecap. And it melted my heart and it opened my eyes. Blurry vision for these disciples, filled with doubt, but it will turn to delight. Let's continue. Jesus, in that last passage, he does what he did to Thomas. He shows them his hands. 
And he says, touch me, a ghost you can't touch. And it says that, look at this mixture. They stood there in disbelief, and yet their hearts were being filled with joy and wonder. That's how you know if the gospel's taking root in your heart. Joy, and yet still just wonder. The beauty of the gospel, you'll never figure it out. There's an awe of saying, God, creator, who sacrificially gave his love, poured on a cross for me. You can understand that, and it still doesn't make sense, right? Because creation was made to serve the creator, and he has stepped down to make us beloved, to pour out his love towards us. Someone told me this week, following this verse, is their most humorous part in the Bible is Jesus says, can I have some fish to eat? In other words, like a friend showing up at your house saying, let's go get a burger, I'm hungry. (laughs) Jesus is loving this. He's loving this. He's not saying, okay, let's now engage in a five-minute prayer time and then let's check the box to your next devotional. He's saying, let's do life. Let's get a burger. And I just think this joy and wonder, too, for these disciples. Try and understanding the implication of all of this. Here's a man who did not die. Here's a man who could not die. And he's offering me that same life. If he conquered death, we will never die. That's a long time. Eternity is a long time. I bet that was some of the wonder of it too. Our reality just got shook to the core. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, it was chained to sin and death, and those chains just broke. Someone told me a joke this week. How come Jesus can't wear jewelry? Because he breaks every chain. (laughs) He breaks every chain, including sin and death. The implication of that is like, what does that mean? To live forever. Going around saying, hey, let's eat some fish. I mean, this isn't angels flying in the clouds. This is an earthly, physical resurrection that will last forever. Even as a pastor, I have to stop and say to an extent, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived the good things God has in store for those who love him. I, I can't imagine eternity like a fish in water trying to describe in our, in our terms of sea urchins and seaweed, how do we describe things on the land? We, we can't. In the same way, we see as dimly through a mirror, but we will see face to face. And here as they see Jesus in his glorified, resurrected body, they're seeing face to face what eternity is going to be forever. And Jesus 
is love in this. Someone asked me once to describe Jesus in one word. His, his word said, I, I think relaxed. Certainly there's times he suffered and he was intense. But at the same time, always filled with joy and the fruit of the Spirit. Everything always under control. And delighting in his creation. Relationship with his children. I see that relaxed here as he says, let's eat some fish. <laughs> let's be together. Let's continue here. And this continues to be brilliant. Jesus said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything about me in the law of Moses and prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You see that for a third time? A supernatural intervention to open our eyes to irresistible beauty. At that point, these disciples, they can't pat themselves on the back and be like, look what we found. <laughs> no, God showed irresistible grace and they said, yes. He opened their eyes. He goes on to say that this message is going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world. And you are witnesses. And as a witness called to the stand saying, what is it that you've seen and heard? Tell us. You must testify. You must give testimony to what you've seen and heard. Next slide, please. Here he says, you are witnesses. The light has come into the world. We are to testify that there is something more beautiful than anything out there. Can you go to the last slide here, please? And they go with great joy. That's the last verse of the gospel. It ends as it starts as it's promised joy to the world, it ends with joy to the world. And they are praising God. That's the proper response for seeing an eight and a half carat diamond <laughs> to tell others and to just say, wow, have you ever seen something so beautiful? So last slide here is... Are you seeing Jesus? And we're promised that we don't see him fully yet. So that prayer of, God, let me see you more clearly can always be answered. I'm excited for you, church, for this next week. If you hold that prayer in your heart to God, saying, let me see more clearly. Let me see you more beautifully. My mother has a prayer right by the kitchen sink where she did dishes for her four boys. And it says, Lord, may my sons take no delight in what is not from you. May it stink and bite them in the butt. <laughs> that's my paraphrase for that last part. <laughs> but I remember looking at that and be like, well, that's why I can't get away with nothing. 
right? But as a result, that prayer has followed me throughout my years. That as I turn astray and behold my eyes to beauty somewhere else, it falls short quite quickly. I'm reminded, just as this Jesus with spiritual eyes, is there nothing more beautiful than that? God can make himself irresistible just by seeing him more clearly as you pray that prayer. He's more beautiful than money, more irresistible than the European vacation, more beautiful fellowshipping with him than even family or spouse, more beautiful than lust and drugs, more beautiful than video games and YouTube. He's a better friend than any friend. This Jesus we proclaim today is alive and brilliant. Let's delight in that. Above all things, guard your heart, the scripture says, for it's the wellspring of life. Guard your heart in the gospel, church, and its beauty. Let's pray. Jesus, you are more than just a faith in an ideology. You are alive. And your words are alive. Lord, use them to change our eyesight. In Jesus' name, amen.